From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services holding company organized to help CMOs in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today, I'll be talking about the future of global marketing and communications with one of the best, Beth Comstock, Corporate Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at General Electric. Beth leads GE's organic growth and innovation initiatives in the marketing, sales, and communications functions. Right now, she is focused on building cross-business digital programs and creating a partnership network to extend GE's eco-imagination green technologies. When she served as CMO of GE from 2003 to 2005, she led the Imagination at Work brand campaign. She also oversaw eco-imagination and imagination breakthrough innovations. Beth returned to GE this year after serving as president of NBC Universal Integrated Media for over two years. As president, she led the company's digital strategy, business, content, and distribution efforts. She also led the marketing and research teams with efforts focused on advertising innovation. Earlier in her career, Beth worked at CBS Entertainment and Turner Broadcasting. Beth is a trustee of the Smithsonian Institution's Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum and a graduate of the College of William & Mary. Welcome to Market Edge, Beth. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know... We seldom get to talk to somebody that has your sort of eagle view here. You were a C- CMO a few years back. You uh, took some time to go into the deeply into the digital space. Yeah, my sabbatical uh, at NBC. <laughs> now you're back at CMO. As CMO. Uh, you know, AdAge said a few months back it's one of the toughest jobs uh, in America or on the globe, and uh, people don't last very long as CMOs. Why is it so difficult uh, in 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 this point in history that uh, chief marketing officers are having trouble getting their arms around uh, uh, the new marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's one we spend a lot of time thinking about with our marketing teams around the globe. Um, part it is a short-lived um, profession. I think part of the reason is just that um, it's so much about marketers are so much about change, and um, I think that uh, you know we, we've, we've sort of set out a path to say well, what are marketers in GE? Um, what, what, how do you describe the role of marketers? And we, we came up with what we call our four eyes. We talk about being an uh, instigator, uh, an integrator, an innovator, and an implementer. But that instigator, it's, it, it's basically a nice way of saying you're really irritating. And um, you push change and push for things that, that maybe the rest of the organization do, doesn't like. So I think it's a tough road that, um, that marketers have in many organizations where they have to push for, advocate for change and at the same time integrate across functions. And um, in most companies, what marketing does takes a little bit of time to incubate and, and evolve. You certainly can't think about the average tenure of a CMO in most companies being, what is it now, 22 months? That's yeah. barely time to get your bearings and, and get a plan going. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, the landscape's changed you know, radically from the days of you know, GE um, and yourself. You know, and I think you still do buy a lot of uh, 
you know, network television. But, you know, the, the landscape is completely changing and the tools and the platforms available. How have you seen that shape your job and the way you look at the kinds of approaches you're taking to, uh, to brand at GE? Yeah, well, we, we obviously look globally, so our, I would say our number one goal is to, to make GE more accessible globally. Um, so clearly, market to market, region to region, you have, you have different formulas, different mix models that work. And with digital technology, that's just given us even more opportunities. I, I think we, um, early in the, in the you know, early part of this, this uh, decade, we, we started getting uh, aggressive in, in digital. And I think we've been pretty consistent in having about 15% of our, of our marketing spend goes toward digital. Frankly, I, I wish it were more. And I think that's one of the things we're going to be pushing is, especially the kind of business that, that we are, we're largely a, a business, you know, business to business, uh, kind of company. And so digital technology allows us to get to, to our, um, end users, our, our customers much more directly. Um, so I think that's definitely changing the landscape. It, it allows us in some respects, it allows us to, tell our story our way, perhaps a, a bit more effectively, but it also means as marketers our jobs have gotten just incredibly more complicated because we have to understand the different media, how to have an impact, and every situation has a different model, uh, a mixed model um, of what, what are you trying to achieve, how do you know you were successful. You know, you, you have first-hand um you know, experience being at NBC the last couple of years, but I know that was more in a digital role, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But how are they viewing a world that, even though we're going to have a record spend on on uh, network television of $165 billion this year, the best guess Forrester has recently that a third of it's DVR'd or TiVo'd. How does senior management, you know, explain that to the CEOs of the world? <laughs> Uh, explain the the DVR phenomenon, or just well, what's the, happening in the, general. The, the impact of broadcast television is, has got to have been diluted uh, through both the impact of using DVRs and a whole generation really not watching commercials. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I when I was at NBC, I, I oversaw the digital effort, as you mentioned. I also oversaw the traditional television advertising and um, and sa- advertising sales. So I got to I got to um, sort of have my head in both camps, if you will. And I think two two things that I would say we see at NBC. One is just a general trend that marketers want more integrated campaigns, and um, it's not just enough to have digital. It's not just enough to have broadcast television. You've got to you've got to integrate across different platforms and and have one integrated idea. So I think that's that's where it's going, and that that is the really those are where the conversations start with marketers. In terms of DVR, it varies from show to show. I mean, the good news is that DVR, you know, the the um, in terms of Nielsen, they count audience ratings over over the course of a couple of days. Uh, most people end up watching their DVR um, in the course of a week. And we at NBC, we had done quite a bit of research that found um, people watch commercials when they're compelling, when they're when they're attention getting. So I think the onus on us as marketers is to make sure we're good storytellers and we can capture people's attention because we know they watch it if it's good. So creativity is going to become even more important than it has been in the past. I think so. And I think that ability, what we found was particularly strong. We did a lot of research around this at NBC. If you started on broadcast and then moved the audience to digital, they were much more engaged. They were much more, um, you know, they were bigger fans. They were more likely to, to sort of like your brand, whether it's, 
you know, what, whatever kind of product you were selling, they, they were more engaged, and we could prove that time and time again. And I, just, I think that's, that's the discussion that, that NBC is having increasingly is how do we extend that connection with the TV audience and make it a better engaged user for you if you're, uh, you know, a consumer goods company, an auto company. Maybe more specifically about sort of some of the things the past couple of years in the digital space NBC's looking at. You know, a lot of people perceive them as a leader in looking at digital entertainment and, you know, uh, cross-platform things. Uh, maybe some of the other things that you were doing there and some of the innovative things you see happening on the horizon. Well, a couple of things. I, I, uh, I certainly think the movement that, that uh, we started and that NBC is, is focused on and sort of packaging itself more thematically. So this, this idea of women-focused properties and being able to have, again, integrated, uh, integrated properties that advertisers can work with us on and start very early in the development. So that started with an acquisition of iVillage on the digital side, Oxygen on the cable side, and now it's created a, a very robust set of offerings. So that was where kind of digital strategy was, was one of the, the key levers. Um, I, I'd say one of the things that NBC, we, we've done at NBC that's very exciting is the launch of Hulu.com, which was right. a, a joint venture is a joint venture between um, News Corp and NBC. But um, if you haven't seen Hulu, it's definitely worth checking out because w- what, w- what we realized is that we needed an aggregation strategy. As good as NBC.com might be, it was never going to have a total viewing experience. So we team to, to aggregate video, and I think that is an interesting laboratory for the future because what Jason Kyler and the team at Hulu have done is they've redefined what the viewing experience is online, and um, they've, they've, they've uh, implemented uh, four or five very compelling new advertising formats, which I think are going to shape the way we all see television going forward. So those would be, be two things I'd point to. Um, the other thing is we set up an innovation lab uh, at NBC to, to work with some of our top clients to start to figure out what problems are you trying to solve for, how can we invest in technology together. And um, through that came up with some very innovative um, advertising and programming formats. Um, one was um, using your mobile phone uh, as, a, as an interactive device and allowing you to get couponing on your, on your cell phone while you're watching programs on NBC. Where do you see it? You bring it up, the, the mobile platform. There's a lot of talk about that that's still way underutilized as a, uh, as a, a marketing um, uh, strategy. Do you, do you see mobile really gaining a lot of strength in the next couple of years as it becomes another piece of this integrated uh, puzzle? Yeah, I, mobile's gaining uh, incredible strength. I mean, I think you just, you know, you look at the amount of texting that goes on, um, in this country, but when you when you travel, especially if, if you travel to Asia, um, mobile technology has has you know has done a leapfrog over over kind of traditional internet technology, and um, it is uh, it is the way in certainly in Asian countries it is the way consumers are uh, they're, they're doing banking they're doing uh, well, you can do banking here but they're doing banking they're they're programming their t- their DVRs from the subway um, they're getting uh, uh, airplane passes, you know, airplane boarding passes. So um, I think the challenge for everybody is how do you get your marketing message in the middle of that? And it's probably going to come back to the basics we're, we've all learned is you've got to be relevant. You've got to find some way to make your message relevant to that situation. So I, I think it's going to grow, but I'm not sure any of us can say what the ad format or what the business model for advertising exactly is going to be yet. 
I think probably it's going to be, like you had mentioned before, some type of loyalty, too. I mean, because mobile, you're going to be at local spots that you can use coupons or you can use sort of digital coupons and digital loyalty programs and things like that. That might be one area. Yeah, and no, I think that would be that. That certainly would be a great area. Um, that that uh, I, I, you just see little seeds of it. I, I know when we we spend at NBC, we spend a good amount of time in South Korea, and we're really intrigued with both South Korea and Japan what they were doing um, to that point. You know that, that that ability to have couponing right on your cell phone and use it at the point of purchase. It, it's not that far away here. Yeah. Um, hey, before we take a break, I just wanted to go back to another thing you mentioned about sort of this thematic uh, of, of content across uh, mediums. You, you know, you you did sort of a women's content play, it looks like, with iVillage, uh, with Oxygen. It seems like one of the fastest growing things on the web. Um, I was out with the uh, founders of BlogHer a few weeks ago, uh, Lisa Stone, and it's one of the fastest growing sites on the web when they aggregate women's blogs and the women vote on the best ones. Do you see sort of that whole social media movement also as a relevant in a uh, part of integrating across what you're doing from a thematic content point of view it it sure is i i'm not sure we've yet figured out what the formula is i mean if you look at television at its most basic form i mean voting for american idol or or um, america's got talent on nbc i mean that's a very basic format of interactive yeah. television of social of social interaction if you will um, but I think I think you're going to see a lot more innovation in this space, and that's what that's where the internet's allowing us to learn a lot. Um, and already you're seeing things um, where w- at NBC we would combine, like, take Bravo or, or for, as an example, we'd combine technology, and you'd allow you, you allow a community, the community that's naturally around, say, a project runway or a top design, to um, to vote, to to put their uh, comments, you know, get, give their feedback. Uh, I, I think that will start to migrate on on television as well. Um, so I think you're gonna. I, I really think within the next couple of years you'll see all of that merging. And how about you know how, what's Beth Comstock's view of the amazing popularity of Facebook? <laughs> yeah, well, I, um, I, Facebook is. I, I think it's just the fact that you're able to. It's so simple. You're connected to your community. I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but the fact is that um, it's it's your own little news service uh, uh, in the community as you define it. I mean, think about it. Every day you get prompts that says, you know, so-and-so changed their picture. So-and-so was talking to so-and-so today. I mean, it's it's. I grew up in a small town um, in Virginia. I mean, it's no different than, than growing up in a small town where you kind of defined your world and you knew what everybody was doing. And so, you know, I think there was this great fear that uh, as the Internet evolved, it was going to uncouple us, it was going to make us more more singular, and, and I think the, what this proves is that we are commun- pe- communal people, and we want to we wanna be part of communities. Right. So that's, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I have a unique viewpoint. I, I think others have expressed that as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're going to take a short commercial break right now, but please stand by, and we'll be right back with uh, GE's Beth Comstock and more of this fascinating conversation. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah, GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I 
need that in euros. Now, people! We got it! Put it up there, elves! Wow, currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more? Huh? I see you working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM, and they will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. Life tips. Making your life smarter. Better, faster, wiser. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Get out your spray paint and put your graffiti on our wall. Get all the details on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Beth Comstock. Chief Marketing Officer at GE, talking about the future of global marketing and communications. Hey, Beth, I have to ask this one question for the PR people in the audience. And since I'm obviously most of my career spent in PR, and, and you know quite deeply PR, you're one of the few that uh, CMOs in the world that has some uh, deep PR experience in your background. How come there's not more PR CMOs? <laughs> I, well, I, it's, how come there aren't more PR CMOs? I think it's. I actually think it's a, a bit of a trend. You look at uh, John Awada, who was just named yeah. the CMO at uh, at IBM, came out had a strong marketing background. Um, I, I my view is I, I think it's it's got to be more a part of the future because you look at the challenges most of our companies have. It's global. And we've, we're all about integration, and it's, um, it's about having kind of that, establishing what's that core message for your company, and then you have to figure out different ways to target different audiences with it. But I think if you start from a point of view that we have a central message as a company, a central strategy and goal, it kind of leads you to the point that says your marketing and communications team should be integrated. Couldn't agree more. Uh, hey, what strategic initiatives are you focused on right now, Beth? Well, we're um, we're, we're continuing to, to push our sales and marketing teams to to be aligned. I, that that continues to be a very important initiative for us. Um, uh, one of the things we're starting to take on is the interaction between marketing and product development. At what stage do, do they get together? Is marketing with product development all along? 
Um, and I'd say in general, as a company for our marketing and sales teams and communications, global growth, growth and global growth are our top priorities. Uh, our team particularly focuses on innovation and trying to um, get our skills and, and get a pipeline of, uh, of good ideas developed. Uh, for us, we, we have, we have an uh, effort we launched a couple of years ago called our Imagination Breakthrough Effort, and it's basically a protected class of ideas. And we look to that pipeline to generate up to $3 billion a year for GE. So that's, that's pretty important for us in terms of new sources of revenue. And I would say the other, the other big area for us is solution selling or packaging, you know, different solutions. So eco-imagination, continuing to drive that, um, efforts that we're doing in, in, around different verticals. Th- those are very important efforts for us. Can you tell us a little bit more about eco-imagination for those who might not know exactly what the, that, uh, that effort is? Yeah, eco-imagination is our um, environmental platform. We, we launched it back in 2005. And um, for us, it was a way to do a couple of things. One, we heard from a number of our customers. They said, hey, we want good technology that's environmentally focused, but we can't go broke buying it. Help us. So we, we made a conscious decision to, uh, to spend more, invest more in technology that was, invi- that, you know, going to help the environment, whether it's in energy, transportation, meaning rail or automotive and water. And um, so we, we launched a, an aggressive campaign. We called it Eco-Imagination, and it's really become a business development platform for us. We're going to, by the, by the year 2012, we're going to generate about $25 billion of revenue from eco-certified products. We've used it as a, as a way to work with our customers. Um, we, we very much include our customers in the product development and um, and we also have um, have created an investment fund where we invest a uh, billion and a half dollars in just eco focused technology. As well, we made a commitment to lower our greenhouse gas and uh, and water usage. So it, it's been a it, it's been um, I, I, I it over it, it's gone farther than we thought it would. To be honest, I mean I think we're we're excited with with what the platform has allowed us to do with our customers, what it's given us as a sort of brand building opportunity. And globally, the need is is great. Whether it's water or energy, that you, you're hard pressed to find a market in the in the world that that isn't thinking about how do we how do we do a better job conserving. It's great that the company's doing that. You know that leads to I was out in Mountain View at Google last week and. One of the big announcements they had was with you guys, and it was sort of caught me a little aback. I'm going, gee, I would not have thought of a you know a headline GE and and Google, but it you know once I I read about it, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe you could tell our audience about GE and Google. <laughs> yeah, part of our goal with Eco Imagination in general is just to use it as a as a way to drive more partnerships. I mean, we'd be naive to think GE can can solve this on our own, and that we we can develop all the technology that's needed. So it's led us to a number of interesting partnerships, whether it's with venture capital firms or or, um, or other investors. And it naturally led us to Google. Google, um, people may not know, but they just, as a corporate uh, initiative and a passion of their corporation, they are very interested in, in energy conservation and, um, and the environment. And so a natural point that we came together on was this idea of um, what we Transmission and distribution of energy, we, we call it the smart grid. It's just making um, the way we transmit and distribute energy much more efficient. 
And um, a lot of what Google does is powered by energy. And so together we are, we've, we've entered into an agreement where we're going to jointly develop technology in this area and also have a lobbying effort to Washington to try to uh, get some movement uh, and to get some technology um, and some, some allocations done in, in the, this space. It's great. It's absolutely great. Just changing paces a little bit, you know, uh, and, and watching, um, at least my daughters had t- taped and were watching the Emmy Awards, and I was uh, set back having spent time on Madison Avenue as well with uh, Mad Men uh, hauling down a lot of awards, but it reminded me of a very basic question for you. Branding seemed so simple back then. You just set aside your ad budget, you came up with a creative campaign, and you sort of bought your way to brand. It seems to me that branding's got immensely more complex as constituencies have changed. We have multiple constituencies, multiple platforms. How does Beth and GE really look at at what branding really is and what brand really means and how you actually go about uh, supporting and, and, and leading a brand uh, in 2008-2009? Yeah, it's, that's the big question of the day. I think our jobs as brand people is, have just gotten immensely more complicated. It's exciting. I mean, they're immensely more exciting because you have so many more tools, outlets, opportunities, but um, it's not as simple as it once was. You, you said it very well. For, for us, we try to every in every, almost every business except for NBC that we you know where we go to market we use the GE name so for us it's very much a branded house very much an umbrella effort um, and because we're in so many different industries whether it's you know we're in finance we're in transportation and water and energy and healthcare um, we tend to use a broad based consumer approach because business people are consumers at the end of the day and we deal with so many different constituents. So a lot of our effort is around awareness. Um, and then w- what I think we're, we're gravitating more to, one, more and more digital just allows more, con- uh, more connectivity, allows people to, to interact more. Um, but I, I think we're, we're evolving to much more of a, uh, I guess I'd call it a showcase model. Uh, experiential is really the word. It, we're very much experiential driven. So it's not enough just to advertise on TV or outdoor. We have to be able to, we want people to be able to touch and feel and see what GE is doing. So a great example is um, what we did in, in the Olympics. We created, we called it a GE Imagination Center on the Olympic Green. And it allowed both business people and consumers the opportunity to come in and see what is wind energy really about, and how does that relate to health care, and how do I understand what this means to me? And it was a very much kind of a, think of it as a, you know, universal theme park uh, way of exploring the future and technology, and I think that's what you'll see us do more of. I think that's so cool. You know, I was on, uh, I've told this to my listeners before, but I wanted to tell you, I, you know, like a lot of people will buy things from Amazon, and the other night, you'll probably say, Larry, get a life here, but, you know, I was on it for an hour and a half. Now, how come I was on it for an hour and a half? Uh, it was because they had sent me an email that I had recently bought a John Updike book and that there was going to be a, a video uh, Q&A with John Updike if I wanted to watch it or it would be in video cast form. So I went on, I watched it, the video. Then I noticed there were more videos of authors, business authors I liked. Before you knew it, I had written a review of a book. I bought some books and it was an hour and a half and it was this you know, sort of this convergence of entertainment experience uh, you know, uh, environment and commerce. And I can't help but think that's where all digital um, uh, entities are going to end up going. 
It absolutely is that convergence. And uh, I'd say another principle that, that we felt was important, uh, we do feel was important in marketing and at NBC, is just that notion that um, the content follows the, the consumer. Uh, it used to be the consumer would find the content no more. So the content, the experience, it, and it, the, the exciting thing is that with digital technology, we're getting much more intuitive. I mean, those basic things that Amazon planted in, our, in, our, you know, in the world a couple of, even a decade ago, are getting much more sophisticated, this idea of knowledge management and uh, knowing, you know, knowing, Larry, knowing what Larry likes before Larry even knows he likes it. That's pretty right. exciting from a marketing perspective. It's amazing, actually, when you think about it. And, yeah, it is. You know, but it means we all have to invest in the right kind of analytics. And, you know, you're not going to – you have to do it in a way that's not offensive. But think about how uh, – what great user experience that, that creates. If, if, if a company, a brand knows you so well, they serve up things that you don't even know you want. Yeah. And, and you know the behavior is only going to get more refined and exactly. better. Hey, um, you know, one of the big questions I get as I travel around is that they all believe in, you know, the future of marketing and what we're all talking about and always on and cross-platform and great, compelling content. But they always say they have trouble getting management aligned, the business leaders in the business aligned to the new media and the new marketing. Any hints from Beth? Uh, on dealing with, uh, you know, you have pretty enlightened senior management, but a lot of companies out there stay stuck in, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Any any great ideas? Well, I don't know if I have a, a, a corner on great ideas in this, but just a couple of thoughts. Uh, two different things. I mean, one is in the digital world, I think uh, what I would recommend is that marketers need to, they need to have, no matter how tough times are, you need to have a bit of an experimental budget. You need to be able to try some things and be very clear up front what you're setting your goals and objectives to be and, and be able to measure to it. So I, I just I think that's critically important. And I would say in general, I think this is continues to be the conversation at, at most marketing tables is how do we prove our effectiveness? How do I get the ROI? And um, we're finding increasingly, if you can, at least for a company like GE, if marketers can wrap themselves around the economics of the customer, you know, how, how does the customer make more money? And if we can wrap ourselves around that, we'll make more money. And so that's where our marketing teams have decided to, that the future is let's work with our CFOs, let's work with our sales teams, and let's define what the, what the customer economics are. And marketing should own that, that understanding. Couldn't agree more. Not that more. we figured it all out, but that's our goal. So <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. Hey, we only have time for one more question, and often I'll ask my guests this uh, this final question. It doesn't have to have anything to do with your business whatsoever, but is there, you know, you mentioned like Kulo and some other cool things that are happening, but is there any sites uh, or digital experiences or content plays that you've seen that you've liked personally or your friends have that you might just introduce our, our listeners to uh, something of interest that you've stumbled upon? Well, I, um, I'm try- I've stumbled across a lot of different things. Um, I, I, as I said, I did mention Hulu earlier, but I think it's worth, it's worth. Jason Kyler, who who runs it, came out of Amazon, and it's, he's really building this. It's what we were talking about earlier. This idea of knowing you so well that they start to serve up content that you didn't know you wanted. So I just think that's from a marketer's perspective, it's a great laboratory. Um, I, I just I continue to love these sites like um, like Yelp. Like uh, like TripAdvisor, where where it's really the community that rates the experience. I mean, I don't book a trip now without going to TripAdvisor. I mean, you you have to be somewhat cautious, but I think the fact that you get real 
real people in there sharing their experiences. Um, so th- those would be it. And I just have to say, from a global perspective, this is just my guilty pleasure online. I love reading the British tabloids online. And so <laughs> it's very old-fashioned. But the fact that I can read the Daily Mail every day online, it's, it's great having the Internet. Well, you can you can have a an hourly uh, read on on the fa- the failures of Gordon Brown, you know. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Beth Comstock, you know, uh, corporate senior vice president and chief marketing officer at General Electric. It was wonderful to talk with you today. Thanks so much for being my guest on Market Edge. Thanks, Larry. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone in the audience for listening to today's Market Edge conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time in the United States to webmasterradio.fm. This is Larry Weber. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.